In your Bibles, if you would turn with me to Luke 21, Luke 21, and we're going to stand and read verse 20 down to verse number 36, Luke chapter 21. After a couple years of saying Matthew, (laughs) there is another book in the New Testament, all right? Luke 21, we're going to read verse 20 down to verse verse 36. Luke 21 parallels... um, Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Revelation 6. So um, there's more that I want to tell you today than gives than the time allows. So this is actually going to be a two-part sermon. Um, verse 20, the Bible says, And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Uh, verse 21, Luke 21. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out and let not them that are in the countries enter there into for these be the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled but woe unto them which are with child and them that give suck in those days for there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people and they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. What a day that will be. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. And he spake to them a parable, Behold the fig tree and all the trees, when they now shoot forth, ye see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So look likewise ye, when ye see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And take heed to yourself, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Father, your word is is our wisdom and we thank you so much, Lord, as we worship you in song this morning. May we worship you in attentiveness now. I pray that our hearts would be drawn into your word and that your Holy Spirit would be the teacher today, giving us understanding Lord, what what goes on in the world is not a shock to you, and it's not a shock to Scripture. We thank you that we can turn to you for answers. Bless now as we study these passages that you would give us understanding. Help us to be wise in these dark days. Lord, help us not to be caught up with the cares of this life, but to be caught up with the eternal things that really matter. Lord, I pray if anyone today doesn't know Christ, that today would be the day of salvation. We ask it in Jesus' name, and God's people said... Man, you may be seated. I'm not sure that most of the world is, well, I would say for sure most of the world doesn't understand the potential of what's going on in the world right now. There are some things happening that may just be the catalyst to usher in what we read about in the book of Luke as well as in Revelation. On October 7th, the Islamic terrorist group Hamas launched the biggest attack on Israel in 50 years. It was the most deadly day since the Holocaust. Hamas is located in the Gaza Strip. It has ruled there uh, for about uh, 15 years. They were elected, actually, if you want to pull that picture up of the Gaza Strip, just so I think most of you have an idea where this is. But up north up here is, is Russia. You have Africa down here, Australia the other way. But then you have the Mediterranean Sea. This is Israel and uh, Jerusalem. You have Galilee, the Sea of Galilee is up north here. You come down Jerusalem, you come down, there's the Dead Sea, uh, Jordan River. And then this little strip of land right here is the Gaza Strip. 
That's, that's where all of the activity is going on uh, that I'm talking about with this little conflict or this bigger conflict that's coming about. Um, the Gaza Strip is, a, is a, only about 140 miles in, in um, square miles, I should say. Uh, and it's got, it has over 2 million people that are living in that 140 square mile area. There's a lot of, it's a densely packed area. Uh, Hamas is a poor group. Uh, they don't have the ability to arm themselves, so they are funded and, and supplied by groups like Hezbollah, who are supplied by Iran. And uh, they're estimated to be about 10 to 40,000 militants of Hamas in Gaza. Now, Israel had built a 20-foot high fence with watchtowers uh, on its border with Gaza to protect infiltration from such that were attacked in this last week that started actually last weekend. And they also built an underground barrier so people could not dig tunnels in and they had different sensors uh, to be able to de detect this. But Hamas used drones to drop bombs on those watchtowers. Uh, they used um, 3,000 rockets launching them as far as into Tel Aviv and into Jerusalem. Uh, they just launch these things. They don't have guided missile systems. Uh, they're just shooting, you know, if it hits a hospital, if it hits, it doesn't matter to them. They're just firing them away. Uh, the militants then used hand gliders and paragliders to get over that 20-foot watchtower. Uh, they begin to bomb different areas of the fence. They used bulldozers to gain entrances. Motorcycles with these Islamic terrorists came in, also with vehicles. And they were, they were just basically killing anybody they saw. Uh, this has been something that wasn't planned in the last few weeks or even months. This has been years in the planning. Uh, they went into homes. They killed innocent people. They, they did some inhumane acts that uh, even the White House spokesperson, uh, Kirby, said, he, I can't even repeat them. But shooting little children, burning children alive, raping and, and killing uh, women... Uh, what they were doing was exactly equivalent to the heinous acts of the militant Islamic group ISIS. They also took an estimated 150 people hostage. Uh, they ended up killing at least 1,300 Israelis in that first attack. 3,000 were wounded. Uh, to date, as of this morning, 29 Americans have been killed in this, and there are 15 Americans still missing. Some of them, they believe, are still being held hostage by Hamas. Uh, th this is a heartbreaking thing to watch, isn't it? I mean, we see this, and, and, and we're, we're, we're sad to see the tragic loss of life. Uh, no matter where that life is being lost, it's, it's heartbreaking. But in response to this, Israel had to declare war on Hamas. They have to defend themselves. And they gave the people of Gaza 24 hours to get out. That order has now been delayed somewhat. They're giving a little bit more time because of the weather conditions. And uh, I'm sure many of you have seen the response of different college students across this country. Places like NYU, Columbia, Hunter University. In fact, more than 30 student groups at Harvard University signed a letter stating they hold Israel, the Israeli regime, entirely responsible for everything that's happening there. Why are the young people of our country siding with Hamas? America largely supports Israel. A study came out, a poll came out that showed 65% of Americans say we should support Israel. 23% uh, of Americans say we should do nothing, just let it go on, and 3% are unsure. But 8% of Americans say we should condemn Israel. I can tell you most of that 8% are people that came into this country that don't hold to the Christian faith, they hold to an Islamic faith. And let me say this, Muslims are not our enemy, they're a mission field. But what is interesting is in this polling, the youngest Americans eligible to vote, just 48% of our Gen Z or millennials said the U.S. should publicly voice support. So less than half of Generation Z is in support of Israel, 63% of Gen X, 83% of the baby boomers, and 86% of the greatest generation. So the older generations obviously understand history a lot better than the twisted history that's being taught in our universities today. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. I love the Jewish people. If you're a Christian, you should love the Jewish people. You're holding a Jewish book. You, you pray to a Jewish Messiah. You've been saved by a Jewish king. Psalms 122 verse 6, let's read this verse together. It says, 
pray for the peace of Jerusalem, they shall prosper that love thee. What do you think that means? You think God means that? And so from the Jewish people, we've received the word of God. Every book in the Bible has been written by a Jew except for Luke and Acts. Luke is believed to be a Gentile based on Colossians 4. But not only did God produce the scriptures to the Jews, but the Messiah came through the Jews. In Romans chapter 9, verse 5, it says, Of whom concerning the flesh Christ came. He came up through the Jewish people. What is going on in the world is potentially the culmination of God's plan for the end times. And um, I'm, not, I'm going to take just a couple weeks to discuss uh, Israel's role in the end times, the church's role as well as Islam's role. I think some people might be asking, why would Hamas attack Israel? I mean, this seems like, you know, they can't defeat Israel, so why would they do this? It seems like complete suicide. Well, uh, there is a theological reason behind this that I'm going to get into next week. I don't have time this morning uh, to cover this grounds, but um, it's important to understand Islam's role in the end times. They have a prominent role in the end times, and we will look at that. Uh, but it ties exactly back to Scripture. These are things that the media doesn't get. They're, they're not going to understand a lot of these things. The Word of God unveils the, uh, what the Bible calls the apocalypse, uh, the end times. Now, some have falsely taught that God is done with the nation of Israel. Some have taught what is known as replacement theology, that the church has replaced Israel. But, friends, that is not the case. The Bible makes clear that the church is distinct from Israel. Uh, when the gospel of salvation came through Christ, it went, the Bible says, first to the Jews and also to the Gentiles, Romans 1.16. Though many individual Jews accepted Christ, we know that the nation as a whole rejected Christ. God then turned his attention to the Gentile peoples of the world. Romans chapter 11 lays this out extremely clear. Paul declares that Israel uh, was given over to blindness because they chose to not believe in Christ. They were the branch, the natural branch, Paul says in Romans 11, that was broken off. And the Gentiles have now been grafted into the tree. Like if you can take a tree branch uh, that's living and, and, and cut a place and put it on a living tree and wrap that up and it will actually infuse itself to a tree. Some, some of you, I'm sure, understand that. But that's what Paul's talking about. And he says the natural branch was taken off, but another branch was placed on, which is the Gentiles. Uh, and, and that's what he goes on to talk about. But one day, God will turn his attention back to the Jewish people when he says the fullness of the Gentiles has come. When, when, when the gospel has gone to the entire world, the Gentile world, then the culmination will happen and God will turn his attention back to the Jews. Romans eleven twenty five 25 says it this way. He said, for I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. Now, a mystery in the Bible means something that had been concealed in the past, but is now revealed. It's something that people did not know before, and it's now been unfolded. There's seven different mysteries of the New Testament. I don't have time to go through those this morning, but you just need to understand this is not like a mysterious thing like, like people didn't understand like throughout Scripture. In the New Testament, it's something that God intentionally kept covered and that he would unveil when it was time. Like when he would tell the disciples, there are many things I want to say unto you, but you're not ready to hear them yet. So uh, Romans eleven twenty five, he goes on, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness in part has happened to Israel. It's only in part, it's only for a certain amount of time, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. That's a very important phrase. You could underline that in your Bible. But, and it says, so all Israel shall be what? They'll be, they'll be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion, the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. So national salvation will come to the Jewish people. Covenant theology is wrong. Replacement theology is false. Doesn't line up with scripture. God will bring national salvation to the nation of Israel, and it will be during the seven-year tribulation period. That's why when you get to Revelation chapter number 4, the church is raptured up. Chapter 5, Jesus opens the scroll that is the judgment, the title deed to the earth. Jesus is the only one found worthy to do that. Chapter 6 through 19 is the tribulation period. And what happens in Revelation 7? 
12,000 Jews from all 12 tribes are sealed and they go forth preaching the gospel to the world. There's 144,000 apostle Pauls, if you would, that are preaching the gospel. Uh, the Jehovah Witnesses, unfortunately, have gotten that extremely wrong. But today we live in the church age, which is the church is the body of Christ. And, and there are Jews being saved today. Blindness is in part to the Jews. But there are still some being saved. And and, and now there is no Jew nor Greek, bond or free, male or female. The Bible says we're all one in Christ. Galatians 3.28 tells us uh, that there is a unity in Christ that God brings us into the body of Christ. And we make up one body called the church. Now the church came into being on the day of Pentecost and will continue up until the rapture, at which time God will turn his attention back to the nation of Israel. Now here in Luke 21, Jesus is speaking of the events of the seven-year tribulation period. He's speaking about the end times. And in verse 20, he turns his attention in the end times to the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, because they play a very key role in the end times. And as you study the Jewish people, you find they are the result of God using the lowest and most humble nation to fulfill his purpose on earth. God said, I didn't choose Israel because they were the greatest, but because they were the least. But sadly, the Jewish people rejected their Messiah and Savior and Jesus Christ. But God's plan is not finished. God gave many promises to Israel that David would, and his descendants would sit as Messiah on the throne of Israel in Jerusalem, set up a kingdom reigning over all the earth, that the Jews... Uh, that, that the Jews would live under that Messiah's rule in peace and harmony, and the blessings of the kingdom would be realized. These promises have not yet been fulfilled, but they will be fulfilled during the thousand-year millennial reign spoken of in Revelation 20, verse 1 through 6. Now, a key to understanding God's work with the nation of Israel is in Daniel 9. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Daniel chapter number 9. Daniel chapter number 9. Um, Luke 21 parallels Matthew 24, and as you turn to Daniel chapter number 9, Jesus says in Matthew 24, when he's talking about the end times, he says in Matthew 24, verse number 15, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. And then he picks up and he says, let him flee into the mountains, let him get out of Jerusalem, because because uh, Revelation 19 is about to happen is what he's talking about. I mean, it's it, judgment's coming. Get out. The other places in, in, in Luke 21 and Matthew 24, he says, you'll be persecuted, but it'll be for a witness. But there's coming a day when you need to flee because the gospel chance is over. Get out. And that's what he's talking about. I'll mention that next week a little bit more clearly. So Daniel's 70th week prophecy, this is extremely confusing if you don't have somewhat of an understanding of, of um, Daniel 9, you're not going to get this. And I, I, I again, I, this, I'm thinking, you know, how, when, when you're trying to give numbers to people and, and it's a picture, uh, it will help out a lot. So hopefully this will help as I kind of walk through this a little bit. I, I thought about getting a giant whiteboard up here this morning. Then I thought, you know, over here, they probably won't be able to see it. And so uh, hopefully you'll be able to see some of this. Uh, you have it on a little paper there. So Daniel's 70th week prophecy, you just need to understand this is God's divine clock. God's clock on planet Earth is set to the nation of Israel. You need to understand that. So let me give you a little history about Daniel. Daniel lived 600 years before Christ, between 620 and 538 B.C., he was told by the angel Gabriel that God's work on earth was set to a clock which involves the Jewish people. At the time of the vision, the Babylonian Empire had conquered the nation of Israel. You need to understand, uh, Jerusalem was destroyed. The Jewish people were taken captive to Babylon. It seemed like the nation had come to an end without God fulfilling his plan to Abraham and David. Jeremiah the prophet, prophet had very specifically prophesied that Babylon would do this to the Jewish people, that they would be brought into captivity. Jeremiah 25, 11, this is said before the nation went into captivity. Look what Jeremiah 25, 11 says. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. 70 years. Daniel was taken captive to Babylon as a young man, and he knew Jeremiah's prophecy. And he realized that in 538 B.C., the 70 years was coming to an end. It's incredible because in Daniel chapter 9, verse 2, it says this. 
In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. He's reading in time, and he counted up, we're at the 70th year, so like, he's, he's, he begins to pray and make confession to God, and Daniel asks God to show him what's going to happen to the Jews after their captivity. While he's speaking, while he's praying and confessing his sins, uh, the angel Gabriel comes and speaks to him. Remember, Gabriel's the guy who came to, uh, the angel that came to uh, Mary and Joseph. Look at Daniel 9, look at verse 20. Daniel says, while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of the people, Israel, presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, caused, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation, and he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplication and commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou, look at what he says, thou art greatly beloved. Aren't you thankful God loves his people? Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. So he says, you need to understand what I'm about to tell you. This isn't like some lame passage. I mean, this is, this is God's clock. It's not set to the Gentiles. It's not set to the United States of America. Amen. I love the United States of America. Uh, United States wasn't God's chosen people. Amen. Uh, this is God's clock. And I'm thankful that our president came out in support of Israel. Amen. Amen. And uh, verse 24, and, and all of our presidents need to do that no matter who they are. Don't send me an email saying, you know, but they, the Iran, the $6 billion, I understand. I, yeah, they should freeze that and take it back. I agree. 24. I know how you guys are. <laughs> yes, sir. Look at verse 24. All right. So he says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people. This is indicating the nation of Israel. That's his people. And upon thy holy city, that's Jerusalem, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecies and to anoint the most holy. So 70 weeks to finish everything God is going to do. 70 weeks. Now, what does 70 weeks mean? Now, the word weeks, and you can write some of these notations down on your little paper if you'd like to, but the word translated weeks is, is, is from a Hebrew word, shabua, which just simply means seven. You could, you could write the word 77s are determined upon thy people. Some versions probably have that. But it, just, but it could be seven days, seven weeks, seven months, seven years. And context defines what it would be. So it's 77s are determined upon thy people. Remember, um, in the Bible, there's places where weeks are referred to as years, uh, and the Jews understood this. When Jacob worked for Laban in order to marry his daughter Rachel, he worked seven years for her. Uh, the Bible says that those were, uh, says he worked his week for Rachel, which was seven years, and it refers to it as a week. The Jews understood that. They understood 77s, and it could be taken as a week or a year or so forth. So the key to look at the con is to look at the context. And from Daniel 9, Daniel was talking about 70 years were accomplished. Uh, there's only other, uh, in, in chapter 10, he talks about literal weeks and he talks about days along with the weeks. So by context here, we know he's talking about 70, 70 years of seven. And that's the idea. So how many years is that? If you take 70 times seven, that would be how many years? 490 years. So Daniel is told by Gabriel that God's dealing with Israel will be another 490 years. Now in the Bible, prophetic years are always calculated as 360-day years. 360-day years. For example, in the book of Revelation, uh, three and a half years would be uh, 1,260 days uh, or 360 times three and a half years. So it says after the 1,260 days are fulfilled, which is three and a half years through the tribulation period. So the total time is uh, the very day of God dealing with Israel is 490 years, 
times 360 days would be 176,400 days to be exact, if you were to count the days up. I mean, this is how exact the Lord is. Now, Gabriel details to Daniel these 490 years. Look at verse 25. Now, know therefore and understand. So he's saying, I want, you need to know this. You need to understand this. That from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem to, unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. And the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. Now Daniel's prophecy was that from the command to restore and build Jerusalem, because Babylon destroyed it, until the time of the cutting off of the Messiah, who was Jesus Christ, would be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. So seven weeks would be seven times seven, right? Seven weeks of years, seven times seven. And threescore, this is where it gets confusing. That's why I wrote you out a little piece of paper, Okay. So seven weeks. So do we have that picture we can throw up here? So seven weeks is 49 years. And three score in two weeks is 62 times seven, which is 434 years. Now the decree that was given to rebuild Jerusalem was in 445 BC by Artaxerxes to go and rebuild Jerusalem again. Now, people ask, why is it broken up in seven years and three score and two years? You know, you could just say 62. In your Bible, you could write in the margin 62. That's what three score is, just an old English word. But so why is it broken up in 49 and 434? Because after the decree to, to rebuild Jerusalem to the seven years, that's the end of the Old Testament. The Old Testament was was closed. The, the Old Testament was finished. This, this is also a reason why the apocryphal books don't fit in the Bible. The apocryphal books were written during this time, and those apocryphal books uh, are not scripture. They're, they could be used as history books, but they're not, they're, they're not scripture. So I don't have time to keep diving into that. But um, so was the prophecy correct? Well, God's clock of 490 years with the Jewish people began with the decree of King Artaxerxes in 445 BC. This began the 70-week prophecy. According to the prophecy, the Messiah would then show up, present himself as Messiah to the nation, and would be cut off sometime around 32 AD, if you were to just add those up. This was fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ who presented himself to the nation of Israel on Palm Sunday, was crucified on the preparation day, and rose again from the dead on that Sunday. A great scholar, Sir Robert Anderson, has gone into detail on this passage more than really probably anyone else in a book called The Coming Prince. He calculated that the decree of Artaxerxes, 69 of the 70 weeks of years were fulfilled on the very day, and he, marked, he calculates all this stuff down to the details, on the very day that Jesus rode in on a donkey in his triumphal entry on the 10th of Nisan, A.D. 32. That's why, you need to understand this, if you can write down in your paper there, Luke 19.42. Luke 19.42. This is why when Jesus came in on the donkey into Jerusalem, they were casting down palm branches, all that was going on, he said this, If thou hadst known, even thou at last, in this thy day the things which belong to thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. There is so much in that verse. He presented himself and they rejected him. They crucified him and he was cut off. So what happened? God's time for the Jewish people when they cut off the Messiah came to a stop. God literally put a stop on the clock. That's why the 70th week is still hanging out there. Like, when does the 70th week happen? Well, when, when, they, when they rejected their Messiah, God turned to the Gentiles, and that's what this last 2,000 years have been. It's been the church age. This is what Ephesians chapter 3 talks about. Let me just, let me just read Ephesians 3, a few verses there. Um, this is called a mystery, which is something in the old... The church was never mentioned in the Old Testament. Never one time does a church spoken about in the Old Testament. Ephesians 3 verse 1 says this, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, 
If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given to me to you, or how that by revelation he or Christ made known unto me the mystery. He revealed something to me that was a mystery. You didn't know this. He says, uh, as I wrote a four in a few words, verse four, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of the promise of Christ by the gospel. And you should be thrilled by that because we're all Gentiles, right? I mean, we're outside the camp. And God opened up the door and grafted us in. Praise God for mercy. He says in verse 8, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. He uses the word mystery like a half dozen times nearly in these first 11 verses of this chapter, which from the beginning of the world was hidden God. He goes on to talk about the church in verse 9 and 10, and then verse 11 he says, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ our Lord. This, this is what we're living in right now is between the 69th and 70th week. Now let me talk about the church age for just a moment, between the 69th and 70th week of Daniel. Uh, you need to know that Christ will continue to build the church until the church age is come to an end. You, you find this in, in uh, Matthew 24, 14. Uh, that's the apocalyptic chapter of Matthew. It, it, it's, it's, it's identical to Luke 21. But Jesus says, The gospel of this kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Then shall the end come. Romans eleven twenty five again he says uh, uh, blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Luke twenty one twenty four he says and they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. Jerusalem shall be trodden out, down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. There is a culmination of God's salvation focus to the Gentiles that will come to an end. And that will be at the end of the church age. Now, what happens at the end of the church age? Well, 1 Thessalonians 4 lets us know. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ uh, shall, be, uh, shall rise first. And, and people say, why did the dead in Christ rise first? Um, are, are the dead in Christ like sleeping in the ground? No, their soul... Their spirit is with the Lord and their body is in the ground. And God will give them a glorified body where it is united with their spirit. And, and so the dead in Christ rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. This is what's known as the rapture. On that picture you can see that rapture uh, happens at the end of the church age. The church is taken up. Now the Greek word for rapture. The, people say, well the word rapture is not found in the Bible. Yeah, but the Greek word harpazo just means to catch away, to snatch away. That's it, what rapture means. Um, it's, it's the same word used uh, in the Bible, uh, harpazo, when, when Philip was caught away into the desert to share the gospel with the, uh, with the man in Acts 8.39. It's the same word Paul used when he was caught up to the third heaven in 2 Corinthians 12. And it means the catching away of the church. Um, it's important to know this as well. I don't have time to get into this. There's so much that I, I told my wife, I said, if I had a good hour and a half, I think I could like really get it to them everything I wanted to today. So, uh, but there is a difference between the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ. I'm going to probably have to wait for a couple weeks to detail that. I'll probably spend two to three weeks talking about this because I feel like this is such an important thing in this season of, of, of humanity to understand some of this. Uh, but also, um, there, you need to understand that the church will be raptured out before the events of the seven-year tribulation. We will not go through the tribulation. I'm going to give you about nine reasons from the Word of God why that's the case. But once the church... I don't have time to get into it today, all right? So once the church is removed from the world, God will once again turn His attention back to the nation of Israel, bring the Jews back to Himself. The Bible tells us in the Old Testament, the one whom they pierced, they will now understand that they were wrong. And they will come to Christ. In Revelation 7, again, that's why you see these 144,000. They're all males, and they're all Jews, and they're virgins, and they're going around preaching the gospel to all the world. 
Now, God's purpose for the seven-year tribulation is twofold because once the rapture happens and the church is snatched out and taken away, the clock begins and there will be a signing of a seven-year peace treaty that will start this. And that's when the, 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 the last uh, 1,260 times 1,260 or seven years are going to be fulfilled. And, um, and, and that's going to uh, start off in Daniel 9.27. Uh, it says this, and he shall confirm the covenant of many, uh, with many for one week. So, so back to Daniel 9, he says, there will be a covenant, which is a peace treaty that will be signed, uh, and it will be signed by the prince that shall come. I'm going to talk about him next week. But the prince that shall come is referring to the Antichrist. This is the, this is the one who will be the world ruler. He's going to unite the world together. And when the rapture of the church happens, there will be a lot of things going on and misconceptions in the world. He will unite the world unto himself. There will be a one world way to purchase things. You can't buy, sell, or trade without having his mark on your right hand or forehead which, by the way, didn't make any sense uh, hundreds of years ago. Today, uh, you can very clearly understand as people are even putting chips into their hands in our day uh, to purchase, and retinal scans can do that as well in places like China. But this is exactly what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 24, verse 15 and 16, when it says in, in, in Daniel 9, 27, if you have your Bible there, it says, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week... Or three and a half years in, he shall cause the sacrifice. Can one of my staff members go back and turn that baptism off? Thank you. Um, and he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. He will cause the uh, uh, oblation to cease. The Jews will, at, according to the book of Revelation as well as Daniel, they will have a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. They're going to rebuild the temple. And halfway through that, the Antichrist will stop the sacrifices the Jews will be making and set himself up as God to be worshipped. Jesus mentions this in Matthew 24, 15. He says, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, he's talking about the Antichrist, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then he said, let him flee, get out. Judgment's coming. In Matthew 24, 21, Jesus says, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world, to this time no, nor ever shall be. So Jesus is saying the seven years will start with the signing of a peace treaty. Halfway through that, the Antichrist is going to set himself up as being God, and you better get out because judgment's coming. All hell's going to break loose on this earth. We think we've seen a World War I and World War, World War II devastation. I can tell you what is coming in this apocalyptic end times makes that look very small. The world will reel. Men will be so fearful, the Bible says they will want to die and won't be able to. They would rather die than live. Their hearts will fail for the fear that they will face. Now, as I kind of wrap up maybe one last point today, I believe we are living in the last days. And one of the reasons for this, one of the biggest reasons is because the nation of Israel has been brought back into their land again, as God had promised would be done thousands of years before. And the third thought I want to give you is the impossible return of Israel's nation points to the Lord's return. Now, um, in the Old Testament, over and over, the Bible declares one of the greatest events that revealed the glory of God was when God brought Israel out of slavery into the land of Egypt after 400 years of bondage in Egypt. Exodus 20 verse 2 says, I am the Lord thy God which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Leviticus 25 38, I am the Lord your God which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt. Numbers 15 41, I am the Lord your God which brought you out of the land of Egypt. I mean, this just goes on and on and on dozens of times through the Old Testament. But God also prophesied of the destruction of the temple, scattering the Jews into all nations. In 70 AD, 40 years after Christ, Rome came in, destroyed Jerusalem, killed 1.1 million Jews, and the Jews were scattered through the entire world for the last 1,900 years. And God promised in the last days he would bring them back into their land again. Listen to what Jeremiah 16 says. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that it shall no more be said, the Lord lives that brought the children out of the land of Egypt. I mean, that's what everybody was saying in the Old Testament. He said, it won't be said that, but it will be said, the Lord lives that brought up the children of Israel from the land of the, what? I don't know if you can read that. From the land of the north 
and from all the lands whither it had driven them, and I will bring them again into their land, and I will give unto their, that I gave unto their fathers. This is replete, repeated dozens of times in the Old Testament. I don't have time to go through all of those passages. Now, Josh McDowell desired to refute Christianity. He was an atheist while he was in college. And one of the reasons he became a Christian is because he could not disprove the resurrection. But secondly, he talked about uh, how the Jewish people are one of the greatest evidences of the God of the Bible being true. Uh, McDowell, who was an atheist, went on to be a Christian. He's now written 98 books. He's spoken to really millions of people at this point. But he said, if anyone wishes to know whether or not the God of the Bible exists, one of the strongest reasons is to examine the Jewish people. Now, 4,000 years ago, God told Abraham he would make him a great nation, give him a great name, give, make him a blessing to all nations, give him a land to him and to his descendants. 400 years after that promise, the Jews were numbering in the millions. In 606 BC, Israel was taken by, in captivity by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, who later burned the temple and destroyed much of Jerusalem. This was all prophesied in detail prior to any of it happening, according to Jeremiah 25. Um, Jeremiah 25, 11 says, This whole land shall be a desolation, astonishment. These nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years, and it shall come to pass when the 70 years are accomplished that I will punish Babylon. And that's exactly what he did. Jeremiah 29, 10, For thus saith the Lord that after 70 years is accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word to you. He keeps telling them, this is what I'm going to do. In Daniel 9, that's what we read earlier. Daniel's like, it's coming, and it came. We're in the same boat right now. We're like Daniel reading this stuff. According to Luke 21, Jesus made clear that the temple would be destroyed. The Jews scattered throughout the entire world, and that happened in 70 AD. He said, not one stone will be left upon another. What's so interesting about that, when they, built, when they burnt the Jewish temple, the gold melted down between the rocks. I was in Jerusalem. This is all known historically. The chief historian and Roman historian Josephus writes about this in his antiquities, but they took it down to the very foundational stones, removing all of them because the gold went between the rocks and they couldn't get to it. So they had to take everything apart, exactly like Jesus said. But for 1,900 years, the Jewish people wandered the earth as strangers. They had no homeland for 1,900 years. History demonstrates that after five generations, any people that leave their homeland always lose their national identity and their language because they get absorbed into whatever culture or nationality they live in. Do you know in the history of mankind... In the history of the world, there is only one nation that's not done that. Guess which one it is? No nation in history has ever gotten past that. After five generations, they no longer have a national identity. They just become whatever they are. Israel's the only people that has kept it, and it's been so after 27 generations. You have to ask yourself, how is that possible? What is also incredible, all the nations that persecuted them have been destroyed. Moab, Ammon, Edom, Philistia. There's no German Moabites, American Ammonites, or Russian Edomites, right? But there are Russian Jews, American Jews, and so forth. Dr. Tony Evans says that no other than the Jewish people, no nation in human history that was vanquished from its land for 50 years or more ever returned to that land still speaking the same language. Not only did they keep their national identity, but they kept the Jewish language. It's totally impossible. That's why Jeremiah 16 says, Therefore the days come, saith the Lord, it will not be said, The Lord lives that brought the children out of Egypt, but the Lord lives that brought the children of Israel from the land of the north. And it specifically points to that. And from the lands of all the nations that it drove him to. What's interesting, when I was in Jerusalem in 2011 and I talked to Jewish people there, I said, I said, when did you begin to see people coming back into the land? They said in the 90s. I said, where did they come in from? They said, mostly from Russia. Well, just go to a map. What's directly north of Israel? Yeah. This is repeated in Jeremiah 3.12, 3.18, 31.8, Isaiah 41, Deuteronomy 30, from the land of the north. According to Wikipedia, since 1974, there was over 100 million Russian Jews uh, who have migrated, or uh, I should say a million Russian Jews who have migrated back to Israel. This prophecy is again repeated in Jeremiah 23, 7 and 8. 
It says, therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that it shall no more say, the Lord liveth what brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but the Lord lives what brought them, uh, which led the seed of the house of Israel out of the north country, and from all countries I've driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. What's interesting about that, the, the, the scholar John Wesley was a great scholar in the 18th century, and in, in, in his commentary of that passage says, possibly part of this prophecy remains yet to be accomplished, for the Jews are not yet come to dwell in their own land. The theologians of the 18th and 19th, 18th and 19th century could not see it. God said in Jeremiah 16, 16, he says, Behold, I will send many fishers, saith the Lord, and they shall fish for them. After that, I will send many hunters, and they will hunt for them from every mountain and from every hill and out of the holes of the rocks. Some of the fishers were men like Theodore Herzl, who called for the Jews of Europe and the world to come back into Palestine to establish a Jewish state. But he was so disappointed that so few Jews came. God said, I will send fishers, and if they won't listen to them, I'll send hunters. And who were the hunters? That's Hitler's Nazis. And they drove the Jewish people back into the only home God ever intended them to have, the nation of Israel. No one saw the horror of the Holocaust coming until World War II when the Holocaust came, to an, uh, Holocaust came and six million Jews were slaughtered. In Hitler's desire to rid the world of Jews, a goal he almost accomplished, the very opposite thing occurred. And after all the smoke of war had cleared, the world opinion was very sympathetic to the Jews. And it soon led to the creation of the modern state of Israel on May 14, 1948. They were declared an independent state. Today, Israel has a flag, a constitution, a prime minister, a police force. This year, according to U.S. News and World Report, Israel's military was ranked number four, fourth strongest in the world, only behind the U.S., China, and Russia, and the 10th most powerful country in the world. They have one of the greatest intelligent agencies in the world. In that day, the U.S., under President Truman in 1948, made the right decision, despite pressure from the U.S. State Department, not to recognize Israel, lest they upset the oil-rich Arab partners. Uh, President Truman was the first to recognize the state of Israel on May 14, 1948, and praise God for that decision. And you need to understand, this is, this is a fulfillment of Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel speaks of the house of Israel being restored like a valley of dry bones coming back to life. Israel was a dead nation, no hope. There was no life. They were dried up, 1,900 years, desolated. And Ezekiel 36 says this, verse 24, For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and bring you into your own land. In chapter 37, then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried, our hope is lost, we are cut off for our parts. Therefore the prophecy, uh, therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold my people, I will open your graves, cause you to come out of your graves, and bring you into the land of Israel, and ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you out of your graves, and you shall and I shall and he shall put spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then shall you know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. What's interesting is in Ezekiel 38 and 9 that I'm going to talk about next week is a war that's coming right after which comes the end times and the millennial kingdom. On January 27th of 2010, Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu speaking at Auschwitz he was commemorating the 65th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. He said this, The Jewish people rose from ashes and destruction from a terrible pain that can never be healed. Armed with the Jewish spirit, the justice of man, and the vision of the prophets, he sprouted new branches and grew deep roots. Dry bones became covered with flesh. A spirit filled them, and they lived and stood on their feet as Ezekiel prophesied. The prime minister of Israel is quoting the word of God that I'm reading this morning. He understands it. He gets it. Next week, I want to show you how this setting is setting the stage for the final war. And it involves nations like Iran and Russia. And those things are going to unfold in this world. You need to know this is coming. 
This Israel is a tinderbox, isn't it? That whole region is a tinderbox. We have colonels here. We have commanders. We have people that are in high-ranking areas. They understand because they, 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 they've been a part of studying a lot of these things. Listen, the world, this thing can blow up bigger than... And, and, and you say, how should, how should this affect us? Number one, you don't have to live in fear. The Lord sits on the throne. He does whatever He wills in the kingdom of men. Amen? Secondly, pray for the nation of Israel. Support the nation of Israel. Lift them up in prayer. You need to know this. Hamas is a wicked, wicked group. They will use babies and children and and their own people as human shields. They would blow their own people up just so they could blame Israel for it. Don't listen to foolish news media that try to paint Israel as an evil entity. I can tell you Satan would love to do that. Israel's return to their land has set these things on course. You know what Jesus said? Just uh, I know we just only touched on Luke 21 today, and we'll dive into that more next week. But Luke 21, Jesus says this in verse 28, And when you see these things begin to come to pass, look up, lift up your heads, for your redemption draws nigh. And he spake to them a parable. He said, Behold a fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, you know that... Now yourself that summer is now nigh at hand. You you begin to see this, know that it's near. So likewise, ye, when you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Many biblical scholars believe the fig tree refers to the nation of Israel. The Bible refers to the natural lifespan of 70 to 80 years. It's been 75 years since they became a nation. If this is what he's referring to, friends, we are living in the last days, months, and very few years that before Christ. Nobody knows the day or hour. Christ may come back long after I've lived and died in an old age. But there are things that are happening in the world that you need to understand. The Bible spoke about thousands of years ago. And I would close with these two verses. Luke 21, it says this in verse 34, And take heed to yourself, lest at any time your heart be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life, so that that day come upon you unaware. For as a snare shall it come upon them that dwell on the face of the earth. It'll be like the, 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 the flood that came upon the world of Noah's day. He said, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Luke 12, verse 40 says, Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man comes in an hour that you think not. Are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you ready to stand before Christ? Listen, if you have loved ones that are not saved, you should always desire their salvation. But friends, this is, this is something to seriously consider. This is, this is something that is bigger ramifications than most of the world understands. This is not going to be over in a week or two. <laughs> this thing is, is, is going to be a lot bigger. Iran has already said they're going to step in once Israel goes into the Gaza. There's a lot more at play. Hezbollah is already firing missiles and rockets into Israel as of yesterday. And so just understand, we don't have to live in fear, but we need to understand that what the Bible says is about to come to pass. 